The Seven Rock Life Show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire, learning to develop new chapters in life, learning from the past, but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories you create. Our brand is about three things, victorious in your life, contributing to society, and having fun along the journey. Seven Rock Life is a lifestyle that inspires and gives back with a mission to impact the world one life at a time. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this journey. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Seven Rock Life Nation podcast show. We are so grateful to have you tuning in today and each week. A few updates to keep you in the loop with the brand and mission. First, we want to thank each and every one of you for making season one of the show a success. We hit 44 countries around the world and we are continuing to grow and make an impact. Make sure to go back, share, and check out the 23 episodes that inspired so many in season one. If you haven't left a comment yet on iTunes or Spotify, or even on Amazon with the Seven Rocks of Life book, we would appreciate that so much. Every review we read, we work on getting better as a brand to help you achieve your goals and helping our brand's mission to get out into the world to make an impact in society. With all the comments and shares on social media, we appreciate the love and the response from you all that has been given. All of those help to share our mission worldwide. We will be starting our season two going forward, so get ready for that. This podcast show is to help you become a better individual. Seven Rock Life brand is about inspiring others, sharing ideas, and giving resources to help you become the best version you were destined to be. Whether it's the Seven Rocks of Life book on Amazon, which you can check out there, it gives the framework slash story of this lifestyle brand, or our clothing, which is sevenrocklife.com, which is a brand that inspires and gives back. We believe your clothing should empower your life's mission while looking pretty stylish as well, or some may say looking pretty swag. <laughs> Our full collection has some amazing new clothes and trends that are exclusive and also limited, so be sure to check those out. We are also having our Living to Inspire Festivals, which is a new and unique live event experience designed to educate, entertain, and connect one another through the Seven Rocks of Life mentality. Those out there who love to sing in the shower, me being one, this is your chance to show off your talent, these events, with your friends, family, and people that you just want to get exposed to this mindset. I know I am excited for these to get filled up in all rocks of life. We are striving to help you and the world become the best version we can every day. Check out the book, clothing, and festivals, our YouTube, our social medias. Not only will we be information that changes your life and make you live and feel better, but all of these are linked up to giving back, supporting charities and missions and causes around the world. Below in information is attached the website links so you can share and check out. You can see our latest trailer from Africa on our YouTube channel, Seven Rock Life, and also our festival dates on our live are live now on livingtoinspire.com. New York being the first one, get ready for a great episode of The Victorious Mindset with contributing back to society and of course having fun along the journey. Keep sharing the Seven Rocks of Life mentality. We love you all and appreciate each and every one of you. Keep living to inspire every day. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Seven Rock Life Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Zerko, and I'm fresh back from Africa, and I'm so excited. This is probably one of the most uh, exciting podcasts I've been wanting to do, uh, and just being able to share. 
the experience, and it's just such a blessing. So Seven Rock Life Nation, you guys are in. Many people have been asking how the trip was, uh, the experiences, the downloads, um, the culture, and all the different things. We launched a trailer. Uh, my good friend Eric, uh, which I'm going to introduce in a second, and was able to uh, show just a three-minute clip of a future documentary that we're going to be doing. It's on YouTube on Summer Rock Life. You can check it out. And the trip was by far uh, one of the most monumental uh, things I've done in my life. And I was so blessed to be with so many great people along the way and uh, some, such amazing things. So we're going to get into just um, really the, the stories of Africa and the things that we, uh, we learned, uh, the crazy experiences that we, were, we haven't even been able to sh share yet. And uh, also the th different things that we learned along the way and really the mission going forward and what the world needs to learn and understanding tribe living. And we're going to go into this tremendously. I'm, you know, we prayed about this and we're so excited. And I was thinking about doing this, you know, by myself and sharing it. But I said, you know what, uh, me and uh, my boy, Eric Alvar, uh, he is, uh, is an amazing, amazing gentleman and just has a, a love for God and a love for people. We actually uh, did the YouTube trailer together for uh, Tanzania. And that was a compliments of all the other men uh, and, and videos that we're taking along the way. And we connected so much, we laughed so much. Uh, he's got an amazing voice. So if you watch the trailer, you'll hear his voice in the background. It's so much better than mine, without a doubt. And uh, he's uh, he's just a beautiful person. So I wanna introduce real quick before we get started, my man, Eric. Hello everyone out there, Steve. So happy to be here with you. Um, my physical body is sitting right here, but you know our hearts are still in Africa. So I'm excited to just share with the people and with you just the joy of our trip, the love of our trip, and everything that we went through together. So again, thanks for having me here today, man. My man, pound, brother. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm excited. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna get my energy even higher because I just I don't know what it is, but we definitely worked hard in Africa, and it's interesting. It all started, and I didn't realize. Uh, you know, I, I talk about being aware in life and just being able to be um, aware of what's going on. And, and me and Eric had such deep conversations on the beach in the different areas in Africa. And before the day before I left, and I wanted to share this, I was sitting down uh, here in Long Island and there was a poem that, you know, you guys obviously know I love writing. And I want to share this before we start because not knowing that this poem was going to and this download was going to really be the the essence of our trip of what we took away and that's our goal and that's what we pray is for you to get you a part of this journey to make you feel that you were there and really just figure out what your medicine to the world is and we all have it each and every one of us and i was sitting down at the beach all by myself just meditating and i saw rocks crabs and nature and a, a bird flying and just kind of dropped and uh, a shell and it cracked and i said wow like man nature is amazing and this is kind of the, the the poem that came out, and I wanted to share it right away because this really explains our African trip and really what the, the world needs to know. And this is how it goes. So, life continues to move no matter the season we are in. It never looks back at what we could have or should have been. The crabs keep playing no matter what is going on. Around the world, we think some things are truly gone. We never truly leave because spirits are captured. Some may say it's because of the world's rapture. Peace has always been there in our life like these rocks only moved once in a while but never taken form of a box. Each shape is unique and special like ourselves. Far too often we underestimate what our heart truly tells. Listening to the water move as the earth rotates, the birds flying for food and choosing their own baits. As others worry about life and are on the grind, their soul starts to leave them so far behind. See, life continues to happen the way it should be in nature, but society has gotten away and created something so major that we need to learn how to reverse back to our peace 
because when it's summer, we continue to go down south like all the geese. Society doesn't realize summer is every day. Until we start to listen around us, then it starts to make way. For a soul that is so filled with love and joy, you start to realize nature is the ultimate adult and children's toy. That's good, man. <laughs> I enjoyed it. That yeah. was awesome. First time I that heard was, it, bro. That was awesome. I was going to practice it before, but yeah, I said, but let me just good. freestyle. But um, so, you know, with, with that, and so crazy because that came a day before leaving for Africa, and we're going to go through each day, day one, and the different things, and Eric's got so many things to share, but you know, I'll tell you what, getting on a plane, obviously 16 hours, uh, we just, um, you know, we got picked up at our church and we were able to go together, five guys, and the five guys are actually Ryan, Marcus, John, Eric, who's here, and, and myself, and we got to meet also two missionaries out there, Alex and Tori, uh, and also Ben as well. They're amazing. They're from Tanzania, doing amazing things for the country. And Mir and Christina were also uh, Bible, Bible students out there. So we had really all around the world a bunch of people there. And also pastors and people helping out there that I want to give a shout out to is Hassani, Michael, Tyson, and Jeremiah, amazing people out there doing great things for uh, for the land and for Tanzania. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, we'll get started in, in different things. So we got on a plane and Eric, you, do you want to kind of talk about your, uh, the beginning and what you were feeling with everything? Yeah, the beginning of Africa has just been kind of a whirlwind, you know. I didn't think I was going to be there this year, but I always knew in my heart I'd be in Africa. Talk about how yeah. you actually last minute, you know, ended up getting on the trip and yeah, that's you weren't great, going. That's yeah. a great story. I, I wasn't going. They approached me. I said, no, now's not the time. I, I knew that in my heart, like I said, I would be in Africa. I just felt this wasn't the time. And it's funny how we have a perspective, like we think this isn't our time. We kind of limit ourselves. And in my mind, I thought, no, I can't do this. Physically, spiritually, mentally, I just felt like I'm not ready to go on this trip. And it was because of the mindset that I had of thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be difficult. You know, everything that me and Steve had heard about this trip was that it's labor intensive. You're going to be out in the heat. You're going to be working. You're going to be with the people. And that didn't scare me because my heart is to go out there to the people of Africa. But I just felt I wasn't ready and it was almost like I had to, it had to be revealed to me through the things that unfolded. And, um, we were just praying that five guys would go on this trip. You know, that's what they were praying. Five guys would go on the trip. At one point, I think it was eight. Then it was 10. And then people were backing out. They started dropping like flies. Yes. You know, when a hard trip is coming and they're like, by the way, you're going to be working 12 hours in the sun every day. You, you want to do good, but people start dropping. They say, you know, and, and really what I saw people dropping off this trip was because they had their lives, their daily grind. And they thought, you know what? I just have too much going on here. I can't take this time to go to Africa and vice versa with me. Everything inside of me wanted to go and I was just limiting myself. I can't go. And so it kind of unfolded as Steve was like a, a stronghold staple there in the trip. He was always going. I'm like, I'm going. going. He's going. Left and right. People are gone, coming, not going. I'm like, I'm going yeah, still. <laughs> doesn't matter. If I'm going to Africa by myself, Stephen was going. Yeah. And um, a, a good friend of mine was leading the trip and, and he wasn't able to make it. Another good friend of mine, they asked. And the pastor and the leader of the trip said, look, we got to meet because we need people to go on this trip. And if they're, if they're not going, we got to cancel the trip. And so it was probably a week before the trip. I was just, you know, kind of singing, spending my alone time with God, you know, really just uh, trying to get a Steve Calls, which I love, downloads. You know, just what do you want from me? Where's my life heading right now? And, and I really felt like he was saying, you're going to go to the nations. You're going to go to another nation. Um, the motherland yeah the motherland <laughs> the beginning and so i'm thinking okay well, well you know what when that opportunity presents itself i guess i'll go and that week 
uh, the pastor and the leader of the trip said, "We, I have someone on my heart to go on this trip. And he said, who is it? He said, Eric. And he said, that's the same guy that I'm thinking. Yeah. And when they came to me. Now it's Pastor, um, pastor Mike. Pa- pastor Mike. Pastor yeah. Mike Lover. Shout out guy. to Pastor Mike. He's uh, He leads the missions for the for the Smithtown Tabernacle and everything. He They all do an amazing job there. It's amazing. I mean, they support 60 missionaries throughout the world. And not just, you know, financially, but with prayers and with people sending teams and just really coming along 60 different people who are in countries all around the world, you know, spreading love, spending the joy and the peace that we have. So when that came up and they both said, yeah, I said, look, I'm ready to go. And, you know, I was doubting a little bit, but they said, look, you know, um, we need $3,200 to go. And you you raised the money like out of nowhere. And and you have three days to, to do it. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I don't have $3,200. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have $3,200 to go to Africa. If I did, here you go, but I don't have it. And this was one of the most beautiful parts of the trip. When I just put it out there. I've never done this before. I've gone on missions. Um, so I know the joy that you had on your first trip, man. I know when I was there years ago, you know, almost eight years ago now, when I first went to Ukraine, it was the first trip that I went with a big group of people to go out there to really just bring love to, to another nation. And I was wowed, floored. Everything that you were going through, I could see you going through mm-hmm. out there. I, I know that feeling. And so I always just took my own funds and went. But in the position I was in right now, I couldn't just, I couldn't do that. And this is where, you know, you, sometimes you feel like, I don't want to ask people for money, right? Like, yeah. do, do they really want to support me to go to Africa? And that was a beautiful part. I just put something out on Facebook, put a fundraiser support letter to go. And with three days, I had more than I needed, so much that I could bless the people out there, bless the missionaries, bless the pastors. That's awesome. And everything just rolled in, and that's how I made my way first to Africa. Yeah. It's awesome, dude. And, and it's interesting, um, kind of going forward a little bit, we were on a boat in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and I left the boat, and it kind of relates to what he just talked about. And he was reading um, a, a book I had and also my book, Seven Rocks of Life, and you open up to page 36, and it talks about, which we're on the boat, he's like, let God be the captain of your boat. And I think sometimes, like, you know, you just have to, like, let it be. Let it let it go, and things will unfold the way it needs to. And then you raised your money uh, with what you had, and then you were on the trip. Yeah. And you're such a blessing. Everybody was. And you just, you're such a rock and, and fun to be around. And we got some funny stories as well. But it was definitely labor intense. And they were not lying that when you go to meet Tori, uh, you know, his wife's amazing. They're having a kid soon. But he is the crocodile dundee of Christians around the world. <laughs> he is. He can do everything. And he's an amazing cook as well. Uh, and so shout out to him and his wife. Shout out to Tori. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. So, um, you know, and it's, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people ask what, you know, what calls you to do things? It's really what, what is on your heart? And you realize that, man, when you travel the world, that we're all, we're all so similar. We are the same, but we, we live on different soil. And I know one of the things that really touched home to me, uh, when I was there in Africa was, was the first like day or two. I remember getting off the plane and going into, and we when we got off the plane, um, what's crazy is that the plane that we were on, right? A lot of people don't know this because we didn't really share it, but the plane that we were on at 45 minutes later, an hour, that plane ended up um, crashing. Uh, thank God everybody was fine. It went up and then it came down, caught on fire. Literally, the plane does not exist anymore. Uh, it was completely burnt. And by the grace of God, everybody was safe. We were safe, but we got there the first hour or two. Like, whoa, this is like, this is, uh, we got, we got definitely good, uh, spirits around us protecting us. Right. Um, but still we were just excited, blessed, uh, and puts things in perspective. And I think that's what we have to be able to do. Not just if you go to Africa, but if you are here in America, 
gratitude and appreciation towards everything in life is key. And I remember the first day or two, we were doing wheelbarrows and we were helping build the youth center. And I was there and it was around 6 p.m. and the sun was setting and uh, over the, um, the brick walls that they built all by hand in the youth center area, beautiful piece of land, I see a mom and, and their kids, uh, she's cleaning her clothes in the river. And I, I thought about it, I said, man, how crazy is it that being on the other side of the world, being in the Indian Ocean, right, off, you know, an island, uh, and being able to be on this soil, but some, most of these people will never leave this island, and some of these people, most of them will never be able to go on the soil of America or a South America or Europe, that humans, we are all around the world, seven continents, but we can only go to certain soils around the world and how blessed you are to be wherever you're at if you're in America or whatever it is, right? So it just, it puts things in perspective. And did you feel that way as well? When like when you first got, like walk us through getting on a plane and going there and just uh, getting into like Kenya and getting into Africa, like what was, what was going on for you, Eric? Well, first off, you know, I'd rather work 12 hours in the sun than sit 20 hours on a plane. So uh, <laughs> on the way there- you, But you talked the whole time yeah. with this guy, which- he Which was, was amazing. Yeah. You know, I can't sleep on a plane when, you know- 15 I'm, hours of talking, yeah, I think it was. I'm Seriously. spilling over into the other seat on people. Usually when I get on a plane, I love to really just talk to the person right away because like if at any point I'm sleeping or drooling on you, like you're not going to be so angry because like this guy's kind of a nice guy. I'm not going to wake him up. So write that down, guys. Make sure you talk to the person next to you in the plane. First of all, you don't know who they are, so you could open up some doors. Second, you want to make sure that you're nice to them. Yeah. And perfect example was I started talking to this guy and immediately... He, he says, I want to do business with you because, you know, I do finance. And he's like, I need help financing my home. Turns out he manages for the UN a $40 million fund that funds projects so to help crazy. Africa. So what are the chances I'm sitting next to this guy and we're talking, how can we help Africa for 15 hours, literally, because I'm not sleeping on a plane like that. So that was a beautiful thing. That, that The plane ride in itself, I, I can't say that I enjoy plane rides for 15 hours, but I enjoyed the conversation. And so the beginning of this trip is great. Because I already see how God is moving on this trip. Uh, I happen to be sitting next to a guy who's saying, I want to help you. That's you know, so I, I control $40 million that is, goes all to help Africa. Here's how you can help. And I'm going, we're going here to help. This is, there's a reason we're on this plane right now. There is a reason why we're going to Africa. And it's not our own. You know what I mean? There's a divine reason of why we're going. And so from getting on that plane to getting into the city to sitting in hours of traffic, you know. We oh left, my God. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't know that Tanzania yeah. is... Um, the, the port city. The port city for all of East Africa. Yeah, beautiful. I've never seen traffic like that. Never. And I mean, we're from New York, so we've seen traffic, but not the traffic that we saw in Tanzania. And so, you know, we kind of have this longing to get into what you wanted to get there for, is to, to be with the people, to start building that youth center, to start interacting. But we have this, what we would call delay before where our hearts are in Africa, right? You know, we're on planes, we're in cars. We're sitting in traffic. We're getting to the area. Um, shout out to the, um, it's called PEFA, the Pentecostal Evangelical Free Church of Africa. They housed us. We get in there. They give us a room, yeah, air conditioning. Good. And so we're a little spoiled at the beginning. We're yeah. thinking, oh, this is how it's going to be. But, but don't let the mosquitoes bite you because yeah. in that area, they have stuff. <laughs> yes. You know, and, and, and you could be weary of that. And uh, it's just the malaria and dengue fever and all that stuff. But I just kind of felt in this trip, nothing's, nothing's going to get us. You know, and, and no. that's when I felt when that plane went down. You know, because we go from one plane to the next, and we're, we're flying. Yeah, three flights. Yeah, three flights, you know, to Kenya, from Kenya to Tanzania, from Tanzania to the islands. And we're in these planes, we're traveling, and, and I, I just see the joy. And when you see in the documentary, you can see the joy. So we're sitting on a plane, you know, the size of this room, and 10 people are fitting in the plane, and we're literally sitting behind the pilot. 
and the missionary's in the cockpit of the plane. And I'm going, yeah, this is happening right now. We're flying to an island in the middle of the, the Indian pilot. Ocean. I can touch the pilot and be like, slow down, buddy. Slow down. You know, you're scaring me here. But um, when we, I remember this. That's when so we funny. first got into Africa, we land, and there's a parade. Yes. A parade going through the village that we're at. And I'm going, all right. This is a welcome for us. Like, and, and everyone there has their own things to offer, right? And, and so one of the best things was Steve and a young guy, only 16, going to Africa with us, jump out of the plane, and they're in the parade. Before yeah. you know it, Steve and, and Marcus are in the parade dancing, and I'm like, I'm going to get the luggage, guys. You know, have fun dancing in the parade. But I was like, that's your thing. I'm going to go get the luggage right now. And I just remember saying, this is going to be a great trip. And that's, you know how you're saying perspective? Because behind us, unfortunately, we didn't know at that moment, you know, that plane's taking off and crashing down on the runway. People are, you know, getting out of a burning wreckage, you know, and thank God everyone made out alive, you know, and without, you know, being seriously injured, you know, burns and these things. But behind us, I just knew that God was with us because like the grace of this trip, you know, some people in their perspective, I remember was saying, man, that could have been us. That could have been us on that plane. And I'm going, yeah, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. You see what happened? That plane was one flight away. One flight away from its last flight. But we were the flight that got to Africa, that entered into a parade. So at that point, when people were scared, I wasn't. I felt like, no, my perspective is you protected us. We're here on a mission, and, and it's going to be great. And yeah. I knew that. Yeah, awesome. and you know, it's interesting. I learned something from Tori, and just being around you guys is like when you're here in a mission, I think I'm reading a book called Purpose Driven Life, and it's a great book by Rick Warren. And you know, you have this life, and you have however you believe eternity, Right. And I think when you look at this life and you're just like, hey, I'm going to go all out. I'm going to like make an impact. I want to know it's not what you leave for people. It's what you leave in people. There's two days that you pass, the day that you die in flesh, the day that you die where your name is never set again on earth because you never made an impact, right? And I think when you know like what's the impact that made in people's lives and, and something that you created for the world to make it better when you find your medicine, I think whenever it's your time to go and obviously you don't want your time to be sooner than later, but life happens, you just, you're like, man, I don't, I don't. I die in flesh, but I never die in that spirit. And I think when you're in that type of mindset, you just, you live life differently. And I saw that with Tori, you know, I saw how he was just like, yeah, I'm here. And whatever time you just don't have those worries. Right. Cause I had a lot of friends you even had, you showed me a comment where people like be careful in Africa. Yeah. It's like, well, man, I want to go all out in this world. Like I, I, yeah, be careful, be smart. But like, I think not taking risks is actually more risky because you risk being average. You risk not seeing things in life. You know, and we'll actually talk about one of our biggest experiences was when we didn't want to go on a boat and we'll tell that story later down the road, but that was actually the most monumental part of one of the most monumental parts of our trip. The thing that we didn't want to do. Yeah. And that's fear, right? Fear holds people back. You know, you're out in Africa, people see it on social media, they're not experiencing what you're experiencing. And that's like podcasts from documentaries. You want to bring them there as much as you can. But really what I would want to dispel it is the fear, you know, and the missionary said that to it. And, and you could see kind of a disappointment in his, in his demeanor when he was saying, yeah, I, I love that you guys are out here and so many people won't come because they're afraid. And they're not afraid of what they've experienced. They're not afraid of what they've seen. They're afraid of what they're thinking, of what they've heard. And uh, that was one of the best things that happened when we got out there. Every fear, every doubt that you have, you know, and, and going to an island in which people will tell you, oh, this is a hostile island, you know. Yep. You're not going to find many people that agree with what you agree here. Um, be careful. And when we went there, there was a parade. There were people were people, right? They, they shared the same things we had. We might have physical barriers, cultural barriers, language barriers, but we transcended those barriers with the love that we bring, with the dancing in a parade. I mean, how accepted can you feel in a country when, it, when, uh, when you walk in, you're the only American on the island, you know? Yep. 
You're the only American on the island. You're the totally. only the only person there that's not from what that you, country. We're called Izungo. Mzungus. 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 Mzungu just means white person, right? And then and it's you know when you go to Africa and you're in a remote island that even the Africans from the mainland don't go to, when they see you, it's a Mzungu. But it's hey, what are you doing here? What you know? And it's not yeah, so much love. Yeah, not looking at them like, whoa, look at that parade. Let me go watch. Like, why it. are you here? You jumped in the parade. That, that's what I love. Like yeah. I'm here. To be with you. I love African music. Yeah, and it was great. I, I love that. And so I, I really believe that like that was the start of the trip, even though the travel and everything was great and the meetings, but landing in the airport and jumping right into the people and dancing in a parade with them and saying, yeah. hey, we're, we're here 100%. to be with you, not to view you like you're some missions case or I have to come and save you. It's like, we're here to live life we're with not, you. Don't bow down to us. We're bound down to yeah. you. And like, we're, we're here to we're live life with to you. Be here, yeah. yeah, we're happy to be here. How was it when you when we landed, when we saw the airport, you were like, the the, the airport was the size of a, of, a, of a bedroom? Yeah, the airport <laughs> was about the size of a house with painted on the roof. You know, Mafia someone Island. painted Mafia Airport. Yeah. And so you, that's when you realize, okay, you know, you complain about your airports and airport security. I mean, but I've never landed in a house that said airport on the top. And yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, I mean, but that was almost like very humbling and comforting. Just yeah. be like, you know, we're about to be in a place. And it's the ministry. But you feel home. It was, yeah. it was weird. You feel like, ah, this is like, this is home, you know, in a way. It's like, ah, yeah. this is where we were meant to be around, like culture and love. And dancing is one of the, like, we, we created, and I'll talk later some of the rocks of the world and one of the rocks of the world that we all relate if you can't speak a language is dancing and yes. we danced a lot yes like i was sore from dancing and doing <laughs> wheelbarrows <laughs> you know I, that's one thing that i saw I, immediately when you jumped into the parade and you start dancing with them what's another language that translates smiles mm -hmm. smiling walking up to them you may not and and we were learning their language but you know, we're not going to master a language and you know it takes years to master a language right yeah. Habari, so, habari. Yeah, habari. That's hello. Jumbo. 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 Mambo. Um, <laughs> what's mambo? Mambo is just like, what's up, right? Jumbo, mambo, who mambo, you know? And this is Swahili, in case you guys don't know. And, and we wanted the basic Swahili. Hi, how are you? And then when you can't get past that, you have a translator. Translator can only translate so much because he's bringing what he feels mm -hmm. to the conversation. And so I love that we were relating on another way yeah. right away. Smiles, dancing, thank you, welcome to your country, we're happy to be here. And I think that also goes for just like Western culture, any culture in life is that you can communicate and translate energy through feelings, through emotions, through smiling, through dancing, you know, like uh, you can transfer love, not even saying you love, just by how you touch somebody and how you make somebody feel, you know, the facial expressions. And, and it's interesting, you have to do that when you go into a country like this, because if you don't speak the language, you communicate and you translate on like an energy level, a feeling level, an emotional level, a physical level, and it's really unique. But that also applies to here in America, you know, oh, wherever yeah. you are. Hundred percent. I mean, uh, most of communication is nonverbal, so I mean, they're, they're not even listening to as much as what your voice is saying. They're they're watching you. Are you smiling? Are you open? Are are you happy to be here? I mean, they can sense in you before you say a word, how you're feeling, right? Yeah. And so that's what I loved about the children over there, right? Ah, Children come up, hold your hand, smile at you, bring you over somewhere to play a game, laugh with you, dance with you, so beautiful. play a game with you, and you don't have to say a word, and you've already connected in a way that's so close and intimate that you know we really look at children and model them, how should we act together? You know, mm -hmm. as, as older people, right, we kind of, we build up our walls, and so when you first get there, you can see, you know, the older people, what are you doing here? This kind of thing. But the younger people who are in the parade, the people who are excited, you could see there's just a bonding right away. 
And um, that's what I was, I was happy because, you know, you do go to another country and you think, okay, well, what am I going to have to overcome while I'm here? You know what I mean? There's a language barrier. There's a cultural barrier. There's, you know, people living in ways that you've never lived before. How am no I going to relate no to them? No water. No electric, no water. How am I going to relate to them? And, and everything that they're knowing from my perspective is, oh, you live in America. There's no problems. The streets are paved in gold over there. And it was really to show them, like, you know, we share in the same burdens. They may be different, but they're, they're, we share in burdens, you know. Your problems may be different, but we're human together. You know, like we go through the same struggles. Yeah, because that was one of the days, well, um, we went to go deliver toilets mm-hmm. uh, to one of the schools Very that has day. in a, yeah. and you said that to the, you know, uh, explain that a little bit because they never got toilets. This was the first time for the school, just yeah. to put it in perspective, right? Yep. And we drop off the toilets. It was about an hour and a half, uh, um, two hours on quad and moped going through uh, dirt roads. It was scary. I did not want to get onto the, the moped or the bike and got on and, and prayed a lot and said, yeah. go slow. <laughs> <laughs> but we get there and you, and you said to the guys, which was so beautiful, what'd you say to them? You know, I just said, if, if you don't have a toilet, I don't have a toilet right now. And it was just what I felt to say, like, your burden is my burden. I may have not felt that at home. But right now, I want to share in this with you and know that the difficulties you're going through, I want to feel them the way you're feeling because I want to, I want to help with that burden. You know, and we share each other's burdens. And I, I was able to kind of convey that through a translator. But I think that's that really touched them and say, like, I'm not here to just drop something off for you and say, good luck. I, I want you to know, like, I feel this burden for you. You know what I mean? We want to help. And that's what I really tried to feel the whole trip. I just felt like I got a download from God. He said, look, share in their burdens to fulfill this law of love. Why do yeah. you have so much empathy? I mean, I know, you know, we've talked about some battles, uh, our inner roommate, I call it, right? Yeah. Our, where we just struggle with things. Um, but what, what makes you so empathetic? Because you have an amazing heart, Eric. Like what, um, I'm sure going to strip makes you even more empathetic, but you, you've always been that way? Yeah, you know, I, I people feel sympathy for people. They feel, you know, I can, let me just bring you back to when I'm younger. You, you look on TV. And you see for a dollar a day or 30 cents a day, you can feed this person. Your heart begins to break, uh, most people, to say, look, you know, people are struggling in the world. But what happens? You know, you forget about it. You go about your own life, right? And you, you either donate maybe, you know, which is nice. You do that. But, but your heart is not with them. You know, I can give money. This is what I'm doing. And, and you, you can't really feel the burden of that person in a sense that you can, you can give money, you can understand. But have you ever had to have, starve? In America, I've never had to starve. I mean, thank God, but I've never in my life been like, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. Mm-hmm. If I don't get it, I may not live. Where can I get water from? And there, you have to take yourself to a place sometimes. And I really feel like my relationship with God has brought me to a point where I've asked God, and that was my prayer let me feel the burden that they feel. And that's hard, right? And there are times where I could say, where I was literally weeping. Because I could feel the pain that they were feeling. I could feel the angst that they were feeling. Now, was their problem worse than mine? Maybe physically, right? But we all experience burdens, struggles. We have our own problems here in America, right? Yeah. But, but I wanted to feel. first world problems. Yeah, first world problems. But really? My EC doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? Those problems really get minimized, right? When you see someone going through a lot tougher. And you see them smiling through it living life as a family together out there. You know, you, you really do get a better perspective on your problems are not really problems. Yeah. Maybe inconveniences, well, but... When I heard problems. Ben's stories, he grew up in Tanzania, one of yeah. the missionaries, and shout out to Ben. And he grew up in like, they call it the bush. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, like I had friends, you know, that like died from tigers and hippos, you know, and it's just like, and I had to go get food and 
um, get bam, bam, um, bamboons, is it ba- baboons uh, yeah. for like food and, and meat? And it's like, whoa, you know, like like Africa living. Uh, and we did. I did a podcast with him, and he's awesome. He's twenty four. Just, um, just such a good dude, and and so far ahead of his age. I mean, I learned from him, and um, you know, he's a great person to support and 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 check out. But I remember it's interesting, like talking about empathy. I I teared a little bit the first day or two when I saw the kids go come through the gate because this youth center is beautiful. We'll actually share right away the story of just how it um, started. And, um, you know, and it's, it's interesting of how it kind of began, but I remember the kids coming through and we were done for the day and you just see these kids smiling and they come like one by one. And then it's like 30 kids, 50 kids, 80 kids, a hundred kids. And they have shirts, no shoes, shirts torn, um, no mom and dads around, you know, their moms, you know, or dads are, you know, at home or maybe they don't have it. And you just, they come there. And that's why we're so excited about this youth center that Tori and what was the other gentleman's name that, uh, do you remember his name that created was from Texas? Uh, the guy that was helping out with the youth center? That, that ended up passing away. Oh, Jared, I think um, the one that passed away on the boating accident. Yeah. And yeah, maybe we should touch on that because that's something that's really powerful over there. That, that people have literally given their lives in efforts to reach people that not only do we not know Talk about, about in America. Talk about that, yeah. But... You know, and, and I will say that, and, you know, we, we could say, okay, that you, you may never have heard of Mafia Island because you live in America, right? Or, you know, you think if you live in New York, you live on Mafia Island. <laughs> but <laughs> I you, thought it was going to my heritage. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, Mazurko, Italian, hey, forget about it. Hey. But, uh, but when you're there, you start to realize that this people is unknown to even the people who live 20, 30 miles away from them. I mean, we're in the airport asking people, we're going to Mafia Island, and some of them are saying, where's that? And I go, oh, that's... That's 30 miles away in the ocean from you. You don't know that, you know? And so uh, I would say that, like, there are people out there that are giving their lives to a people that are unreached, unknown, even by their own country. And uh, speaking about, like, some of the people that have just felt called to this area, the missionary and the pastor really shared some of the hardships that they've gone through out there. You know, we, we talk about a plane crashing, everyone getting off alive. You know, they were bringing out supplies and Bibles and stuff to this island and came out of Rafriji River, which is the biggest river on the east coast of Africa. I never heard of it and hit a storm with 10 foot swells in a little tiny boat. And every man was tossed from that boat and four out of the five, you know, didn't make it. Yeah. And so the seriousness, the, the heaviness, the magnitude of, of people who are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to lay down my own life that these people would, would for have. For their neighbor. Yeah, for their neighbor. That they would have love, that they would have supplies, that they would have food, that they would have the word of God, that they would have all the things that have made my life fulfilled in God. They've given me love. They've given me these things. And I want others to have that. And so th- that touched us because, you know, I mean, look, you could write a book about the guy who survived. He floated in the ocean, right? Yeah, he told Pastor us, Hassani. Pastor Hassani. 18 hours in ocean. 18 hours floating in the ocean. And, and really, you know, I was thinking this is a tragedy, right? And, and I heard this because I'm here in the States and I know Tori. I know the missionary. I've known him for about eight years. When he comes over to visit, I make a point to see him. But And I remember reading about this in an email, but you're not there. You're not feeling the magnitude of it. They're, they're in distress. Two days, they're out on open sea and they're sending out stuff to the government. Will you please look for them? And they're not getting the support, right? Because this is an unknown Island, you know, the government's not running to support these 60,000 people that live in the Indian Ocean away from this country. And you see that they, they lay down their lives for this people, but you see that they didn't stop because something bad happened. Their perspective was, God, you know, God took them, 
there with, with God right now. I believe that. But we're moving on in their name, in their honor, in their mission to keep serving these people. That's not going to stop us. Yeah. And that pastor who floated for 18 hours, he was meant to stay there because he floated onto an island. Okay, I mean, 18 hours current taking them. And there's tiger sharks there. Oh, everything. Which are the most vicious, you know, we did whale shark swimming and there's tiger yeah. sharks in there, survived it. An amazing guy. Oh, um, yeah. But what's, what you were just saying is that the vision, every time I got on that property, because I didn't know the story and then yeah. I found that out. And that was only a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah, 2017. And, yeah, and, and to know that the vision continues to live on based on what they saw in this land, because this land was woods. Mm-hmm. And seeing a soccer field, seeing they move dirt, by um by hand and a lot of people say why don't you use uh construction equipment and and different tractors well and i didn't realize this is that if you do that the works it costs more the work's done quick and then the the area the community doesn't have an appreciation towards what's being built and you take jobs away yeah so now it's yeah it's taking a little bit longer to build this youth center to move dirt i mean 10 feet of dirt uh soccer field football field basically like size it's 10 acres this this land and cutting down roots. I mean, we saw the guys cutting down roots and everything um, and just physical labor. But like to see the vision continue, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, you may die in flesh, like I said before, but what lives on for your family, for your your kids and for, for strangers that become family as well. And when I saw those kids coming through that gate every day, and even though it's not completely done yet, you know, we, we they still have another uh, little 25000 to be completely done. And we're going to raise it without a doubt over the next month or so. Definitely. Um, but it's so cool to see that these kids come and learning American games and, and football and uh, the different games there and come in community to be built, to get closer, you know, in your spiritual walk, to get closer in relationships, to give them a purpose to live. And I think... Whether you're in Africa or you're in America, that's why uh, you know with Seven Rock Life we want to build schools and playgrounds around the world with our brand, because we know that community tribe living is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Is that if one tribe member maybe doesn't do their part, let me get your, I got your back, and that's tribe living. That's completing, not competing. And and this was such a a, a statement and kind of like a, a sticker to just be like, hey, this is what needs to be done here in Western culture and around the world. You know, that, that love always wins and all that. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. And I just, touching on those guys, you know, that, that did that, that, that poured into that. I mean, they're, they're leaving a legacy. And they were doing what they were called to do and what they love to do. And we've probably heard this say that, that, that everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Mm. And they were living in their calling and what they were purposed to do. And losing their lives to, to bring other people supplies, to, to minister unto other people and to, and to love them. They left that legacy and their work goes on. You know, and, and I hope that inspires because that inspires me that you know, if I am looking my whole life to live a life that, that's not my calling or one, not what I'm meant to do, not where my medicine, as you call it, to the world, not giving what God has given me to give unto others, and we die in that, I mean, what legacy do we live? Do we really truly live where we were supposed to live in to get yeah. into that groove of life that this is what God has called me to, this is what I'm meant to do, instead of saying, well, you know, I'm going to live in this moment, and then later in life I'm going to get there. And, and this kind of story from plane crashes to boat crashes shows you, look, do what you're called to do now. And not, and not of a fear factor, not of, you know, well, I, I, could get, I could die at any moment, so I better do this. But Live the way you were meant to live. Yeah, because, be smart. Yeah. You yeah. know, obviously, no, you yeah. know, don't go in the water when you when there's storms. But then things yeah. do happen. Obviously, right? You can you can can't control, 
but like go out at this live life. Don't let people put limitations. You know, it's, I've, I've said this before in podcast and this came, I believe from Stephen Furtick. I heard him say, you know, don't give the right idea to the wrong person because it'll never get birthed into the universe. It'll expire and somebody will else take it. And that's why whatever's on your heart, man, only you and your higher power knows what's on your heart to go birth what you want to be, what you want to do, what you want to give back, you know, and, and that's so cool. But it's, it's, it's a sad story, but such an uplifting story to know that the legacy continues and it's really amazing. I mean, I remember playing soccer uh, with the kids and I'm not a soccer guy. I, I played baseball my whole life, you know, <laughs> pro and college. And I play baseball because you run 90 feet to 180 so you get with these guys and what's crazy about like the Tanzanian um, kids and men and, and, and just people, they have so much energy. Like we were doing wheelbarrows and working all day in a hot sun. And then we go play around four or five o'clock soccer, you know, with the youth and everything. And I'm like, why do they still have energy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to die. You know, like I'm tired, like cramping. <laughs> yeah. It was good that I, I, I was like, I'll be goalie. Let yeah, me play, you cheated. Let me, you went to go goalie. Let me play goalie for a while, guys. You know, because I've never played goalie in my life. And I'm like, is that the <laughs> position that doesn't have to run? I'm, I'll play that. Yeah, you're unbelievable. But it's it was really amazing between the first couple of days, uh, being able to serve, to, to do manual labor. Um, and then the next thing, you know, kind of going into the other phase was delivering computers. We delivered 19 computers. You you weren't on that. Were you on that mission at all? Or just the, the next day? The next one we did, right? But the, so, the boating mission. Yeah, definitely. we'll talk about that because that, that was, that was the, intense. That was the boating mission. Yeah. yeah. So the first the first mission of the night, we did 19 computers um, slash tablets to 19 schools. And I remember just going through on the moped. Again, this was another day. And I'm like, up oh, going back on a moped. And uh, you're going down these dirt roads, like an hour and a half, two hours to the north side of the island. Island's about, I think, 10 miles by 30 or something like that. But it takes time because the roads are not all paved, majority of them. And you're going to the bush and you see like homes that are built out of like um, sticks and mud. And that's how, that's where they're living with no electric, you know, water is only from rainwater and no plumbing and just like, whoa. And then you deliver these uh, computers. And what's so interesting is that I didn't know is that, you know, there were some uh, things over the years that has happened through, um, you know, through ISIS and different things. And what's so crazy is the love that was expressed. And you don't realize it's not about the computer that you give. It's about them seeing Western culture. Wow, they're not what what they say, quote unquote. And sometimes people may say things about you, but if, if you let your feet be louder than your tongue, what people say will never be loud because the breath of what God or the universe says is so much louder than anybody's voice. And I think when you understand that when you go out of your way and you just go serve people, that will be the best way for you to be loud in anything that you do in life. And when they saw that, they, they, they saw us spread the love of, of the universe or God or Jesus, whatever your you know, faith is, it's love is the, is the universal, you know, religion, quote unquote, right? I don't, I don't think it's not about a religion. It's about, um, having a relationship with people. Relationship is more important and that's what it's about. And seeing them just light up their eyes. And this was their first computer them getting, uh, ever since, you know, since they've had the school and the first technology. And they're just like, Whoa, they got this. And it really put a, a huge dent. And then seeing the kids and seeing them all having fun and dancing with them, it was truly just a, a beautiful thing to be able to do that. Um, and the areas that we had to go were just like out of nowhere. And I remember being actually on the scooter and we were like singing along the way on the road, saying hello to everybody passing yeah, by. Yeah. It, it was. Were you scared on this scooter too at times? You know, at first you're a little scared because you're on this dirt bike or motorbike or moped or whatever you call it. It's more like a motorcycle with like dirt bike 
wheels, you know, studs on the wheels because you're riding on dirt roads. And um, after a while, I just, you know, literally I prayed. I said, listen, I'm meant to be here. I'm not meant to go crash on a motorcycle. That's that's yeah. not, I just had that faith that now nah, this is not, you know, what's perspective, right? The fear of crashing on the motorcycle is worse than the actual crash leading up to it because that only takes a few seconds yeah. and then it is what it is. You're dealing with a crash, right? You're fine. You're just on rocks and sand. You're good. Yeah, yeah. You're fine, you know. You pick up your leg and you walk up. No. <laughs> but, wasn't it, but wasn't it cool like going through like just the villages and seeing like like the huts and seeing just uh, where people live? I mean, like just middle of just, marshlands yeah i remember showing that trailer to someone and they said that's kind of what i pictured you know but but we got to see it you know just the living in different houses from sticks and mud and bricks that they make and uh um i remember just flying on those dirt roads and after a while instead of focusing on you know we're doing 80 kilometers down a dirt road you know like and flying over bumps i, I just started looking at the people and like you said remember waving to the people yeah. First, everyone's staring at you because you're Mzungu. You were, I think, were you, you were, I was ahead. You were waving and I was waving. So we were both waving. Yeah. And do you see how, like, you know, when you first wave, kind of people give you this look like, who, what are you doing here? You know, what are you in this old island? Like, what are you, I've never even, you know, I've never seen anyone from America, some of these people. And now he's driving through my area that's, now think about it this way. The people from their own country don't even go out to visit them. Now they have people from another country coming. So what are you doing out here? So first it's those looks. Like every, you know everyone's looking at you. And so the best <laughs> you thing you can look. do is just translate that, no, I'm here because I love you. I'm yeah. here to help. I'm here on a mission and a smile and a wave. And, and as soon as we smiled and waved, what happened? They smiled and they waved. Yeah. Hey, nice to see you. I don't know what you're doing here. But thank you for being here. And yeah. it was a smile and a wave because when you, you're driving by just staring at someone and they're staring at you, you know every thought that's going through them. But what is happening? And when the documentary yeah. come out, like this does no, this does a little justice. But when you see the the videos uh, that we recorded, you're going to be like in the moment. You'll see this when it comes out in October or so, without a doubt. Yeah, it's, it was awesome. It's man. amazing. And then, you know, so like we dealt with that and that was really cool. And then then we found out we were doing a beach cleanup. I didn't know about that, you know, and we ended up getting on. The infamous with, beach cleanup. <laughs> yeah, the beach cleanup. So we get on, we, we go to the, like the beach area and we go down and we don't know that, oh, there's there's a lot of garbage that comes from India and from that part of the world and, and it migrates through the Indian or whatever goes through, floats through the Indian Ocean and ends up on Mafia Island shore. And we literally did like 200 plus bags of of. Uh, was it sandals of plastics of uh, just different things that get beached and we did that for five miles beach cleanup uh, we walked five miles and it was unbelievable and we were like deep into the into the land you don't realize like man like when you throw your stuff out in the right spot wherever you are in the world I mean a lot of people say oh, well this is not my home no your home is the world yeah you know we're, we're the earth is our world and I think we need to realize that and and the question is are we making our our world better you know, I know there's some stuff in right now as we're recording this in, in Amazon. And are we hurting our world? Are we, you know, consuming from our world or pr pr producing? And I, I posted something on Instagram. And when I was at the beach, I recorded that. And I was thinking as, as I was there, there were two things I really took away. And then I want to hear what you took away from beach cleanup. Is I was really tired because this was like a few days into the trip. And I'm just like emotionally tired physically because it's hot. And, uh, I remember going to Ben, the 24-year-old uh, missionary, and I said, man, I'm tired, man. He's like, you know, I, I hear you. He's like, but I want you, you know, that that time, this is this is you and God's time to just kind of take an audit of your life and just, you know, who you are, and and, and it's a blessing. And he's like, when you forget, to, when you're too good to pick up a water bottle, you forgot who you are. Hmm. And I said, man, and I literally turned around and went to go pick up more water bottles That's and good. just pick up that. 
And that was a huge download I got is that we need to learn how to lead from the bottom up, not from the top down. Learn how to serve, learn how to love, learn how to forgive. And serving, you never be too good to serve. And I think when you start to get quote unquote world success, you, f- you think that you're just not, you're too good to serve, you're too good to do this because you have this and you own that. That means nothing, you know? Take that away, you're, you're nothing in the middle of nowhere if you don't have that quote unquote status, right? That was a big download I got. That was from Ben. Second thing is, I realized that you got to ask yourself is, and this could go for anything wherever you are in your life, relationship, business, whatever it is, are you producing or consuming for the world? And the things that you're producing, see, you can produce water bottles for the world, right? And for people and for companies. Question is, after that, is that producing a positive or is that producing a negative? Now it's producing where it's good because you can put water in the bottle, but then the producing is bad when that production gets onto a beach and then animals are hurt and the environment's hurt from it, right? And the chemicals that are from it. So you have to ask yourself is, what type of producing am I doing for the world? Are you just consuming? You know, if you think about the universe, um, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but a lot of people say, how, do you, how are you in alignment in life, right? If you think about the universe, the universe is a giving universe, right? So in order for you to be in alignment with the universe, you have to be giving as well. So when are we the happiest in life? When we give. But when we only consume, we are not the happiest. And the earth, the Amazon, the world gives us, the, the, the water, the oceans give beauty, gives food, right? But what do we give to the world? And I think those are the two things while doing beach cleanup, besides singing uh, throughout the time, which was hilarious. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I took away that um, and uh, the prosumer, prosumer uh, uh, producing, consuming, and never being too good to pick up a water bottle. That's what I took away from, from the beach cleanup. Yeah, and that's awesome, man. I, I, we had some time, right, together on the beach. Yeah, we talked. Just to yeah. talk, you know, and uh, it was, I call it the infamous beach trip because at first all the missionaries are saying, oh, it's the beach tomorrow. This is a tough day. And I go, well, what's tougher than I was excited shoveling 50 pounds of dirt into a wheelbarrow and running at 100 yards for, you know, 12 hours? What's going to be harder than that? The picking up garbage on a beach, this is going to be a break. But it is tiring walking down five miles of beach and, um, I would say the the thing that stuck out of my mind is after we were done, that just the missionary said, "Yeah, plastic is a problem," and and we've heard that, we've seen it. If you've been on social media, but until you're walking down a beach on this island and you see this little island is packing in in our short time there, two hundred pounds of of garbage, you know, two hundred bags of garbage or whatever it was that you said that we had, and and that's just probably what we have twenty people cleaning the beach, picking up as much as they can with their hands. And, and that's what we were able to do. And so that that really, that's what stuck with me. Plastic is a problem. And I'm, as I'm walking down and doing this, and we're getting tired of doing this, and it's just like sitting in the sun, walking down the beach, bending over, picking up, I would see bottles, right? Tons of bottles, tons of plastic bags, bottle caps, lighters, rope, anything that's washed up and then just leaves itself in the bushes here. And you're thinking like, well, if this much is washing up from the ocean on this little island. Yep. How much is actually out there? And I mean, some people are aware of that. You can go to places like Four Ocean. And, but the other thing that stuck with me is right when we got done, someone saw us doing this. And they, they were happy. Hey, that's really good what you're doing out there. And they, they talked to the young missionary, Ben, and said, look, we happen to be on the island doing a, a big thing at one of the, uh, like the, the resorts, the little hotel that they have here. And we're trying to get the people together to clean up the ocean. And they had a machine and they had a company and they were trying to get people together for the same effort. So they were really like, this is great what you guys are doing. Can you come and, and can you join us and tell everyone what you're doing here? And what stuck with me was we were being a witness to the people on the island. Like, hey, we don't live here. The missionaries, this, he didn't grow up here. Yep. 
but he's going to take care of the place that he lives. Even in the five miles of beach that where he, here he lives, you know, he's going to start cleaning that up. And that wasn't for just him thinking, I'm, you know, I'm going to clean this whole island up by himself. He, he wanted to set an example for the people like, you know, take care of the place that you love. And I, I just think it's that out of sight, out of mind feeling that we have that, you know, I'm going to throw my garbage in or whatever it is, or I'm going to drink a plastic bottle of water. And when I'm done with it, I throw in the garbage. Am I really thinking about where it goes? And I, I'm guilty of that. You know, I mean, we must have drank, you know, it's hot in Africa and we weren't drinking the tap water or the river water because the missionary said, you don't want to drink that yeah. water because you'll be going home. But we were drinking bottled water and, you know, we're drinking liter after liter of liter of water. And we're thinking ourselves, you know, what are we consuming? What are we producing? I mean, mm-hmm. consuming water, but producing this plastic that's going out into the environment. And so that opened my eyes because, I mean, I went over there thinking like, you know, I'm here to help the African people. I'm here to help the people of this island. And I'm going, well, we all share in this problem yeah. because this is everywhere. And you said something that's really, this could relate to anybody if you're out there listening to this at the gym, you know, home, wherever, is you need to lead with a solid blueprint. Mm-hmm. And your blueprint has to be great whether it benefits you or not and whether people are looking or not. And you got to ask yourself, what's your blueprint? What's your standard? Are you working on getting better? Are you doing things because people are going to see it? Or are you going to do it because the universe is going to see it? And that's the, you know, that's the right thing. And I think... Um, you know, what, what, le- what type of blueprint are you leading your organization with, leading your family with, leading, leading yourself with? And I think that's a huge thing that I just got from you, what, what you just said. Yeah. And I mean, my own blueprint, I mean, we, we went to an island, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to an island and this is 95 to 98% Muslim, mm-hmm. you know, and people are saying, well, what are you going to that island for? But because I'm doing what my blueprint is. And my blueprint is simple, you know, and I read the words of Jesus. He said, Love God and love others with all your heart, yep. with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything that I've given you. Love me and I'm going to empower you to love others. And, and that was my prayer while I was out there. I said, God, don't let this be some mission. I'm doing some nice work and then I'm leaving. Let me have a pure heart while I'm doing this. Let me feel the burdens of these people. Let me have a real love for them. Because, you know, when you're there, you kind of get into the mission. You get into, we're doing work every day. We're doing this. And, and at, like anything, it can become a routine, right? It can become kind of cyclical and, and you're losing the realness and the, the authenticity of your heart towards these people. And I, I, one of the beautiful things was on this trip, uh, I really encountered God in a moment where he gave me a heart for them. Like you said, that that's sympathizing, sharing burdens where I could be there with them and not say, well, you know, I know what it's like to do this because I don't. I don't know what it's like to live on that island my whole life. I don't know what it's like to be yeah, in Some people never leave that island. Yeah, I, I don't know your life, but God gave me that opportunity. And that's really hard to explain to people, right? You know, well, God gave this to me. Okay, right? But I felt it. I felt the burden that they felt that I could come to tears and, and come alongside them and hug them and, and be with them and say, you know, God has allowed me to feel the burdens that you have in these moments. So let me share in this with you. And I'm here for that. I, you know, I'm not here just to, to do a good work and leave and then never think about it again. Like I'm, what we share is eternal, you know, and my heart is with those people. And, and I believe, like you were saying, we were there for a purpose, a reason. And my yeah, heart is still with those people. And, and, and it always will be. You know, no one can ever take that away from us, what, what we experience. A hundred percent. And I hope, you know, uh, you're getting a lot from this, learning from it, hearing the heart of it, uh, things that you can apply in your life. Maybe you can't go to Africa right now, but how can you apply these principles in the nation that you're living in, right? 
and and you know we're in 42 plus countries now so wherever you are in the world you know it's it's you can do this anywhere you can do it in your backyard you can do it with your neighbor um you can do it in your community and i think that's what's so awesome and that's that's tribe living that's a great point man i i will say this the conviction of coming back and living a time in africa where every day was meant to love god and love others mm-hmm. You say, man, what is stopping me from living that way when I come back to the United States, right? Yeah, why not? And and we know our burdens are different from their burdens. You know, when when you're going out into the ocean to catch your, your meal, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, yeah. the canoes and how they go spearfishing. Yeah. I mean, it's a fishing island. It's a fishing island. I mean, we're out miles out into the ocean and we see a guy canoeing. <laughs> that means he canoed like 12 miles out in the middle of the ocean <laughs> to jump off a boat with a spear and catch the fish for the day. For his family. For his family or for his, for, to sell or whatever to he work, needs. Yeah. And, and you say, okay, well, what's stopping me from doing when I get back? It's that same mentality. Like, I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do this. And, and so I love what you're doing because what you're doing is, is what you do is your medicine or what, how you're giving back to the world. You've decided to say, my job, what I do with the majority of my time is not going to be something that I don't want to do mm-hmm. or that I'm only doing for money. So then when I get that money, I have this little bit of time to do what I want to do. Yep. Your whole life is going to be giving back. And that's inspiring not only to me, but I, I'm hoping to everyone out there that there doesn't have to be a stop. There doesn't have to be a block. And we will see this now more than ever that we live in an a, a opportunistic and a society and culture, but that brings opportunities for us to do good. Yep. When people are taking opportunities to do evil, to capitalize, to do these things, we have those same opportunities to do the exact opposite. And when we get here, we can do things like I see Steve doing and I see Seven Rock Life and I see these things that are giving back. And it's giving yourself opportunity to do this. People feel like they're stuck in the rat race. They're stuck doing what they're doing, whether you're whistling in a gym right now or at your job or driving somewhere. You may feel like you're stuck, but I'm telling you that you're not stuck. You live in an area where I've seen people where they may feel like they're stuck. You know, I have no money. I live in a hut in the middle of an island in Africa. Where am I going to go, Eric? You know, and I still believe they have opportunity. But when I look at the opportunities we have over here, you know, we have a drive and a responsibility to say, look, that person may never leave that island. But all the opportunities I have here in America, I can leave this island. Yep. And I can go to their island. Your visa is okay yeah. the majority of places around the world. Yeah, and I can go and bring money, and I can bring capital. And money doesn't solve everything, right? But it's going to help them. And it's not that, that I'm sending them a check. You know, I'm going there. I'm, I'm digging dirt with them. I'm digging on their land. I'm going in the boats with it's them. It's a big I'm difference when you give money, yeah. and then when you give money, and then you also get in the trenches. Exactly. Totally different experience. Totally different experience. And not everyone has that experience, right? Not everyone says, you know, well, Eric, I don't have the opportunity. I can't pick up and go to Africa. Um, not right now, but you can do your part mm-hmm. in this moment of your season of your life. You can do your part. There were times where I told you, for I said, I can't go to Africa, but I wanted to give. you know. But then God blessed me with the opportunity to go. And so there's people who send, there's people to go. And like you're saying, tribe living, we all came together to be a piece of this trip. And when we're back, we're seeing how it's unfolding. You know, when we're over there and Steve is interviewing people and talking to people and interacting with people, and then we have another guy who's praying with people, doing stuff in in other areas, helping them. And we look back and we say, wow, we all touch people in different ways over there. And what I love what you're doing is you're continuing the work. You know, those interviews that you did, this documentary that you're going to make, it wasn't to say, I'm here, this is the we're time gonna, I can we're help. We're going to make because yeah. I'm not doing it by myself because I need Eric's help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, right? This is continuing to give back. Yeah. 
And this is going to build that legacy to continue to help out. And so and, yeah. I'm just appreciative of you, man. I want to say that. You, and man. like everything that you're doing to, to give back. And when we were over there, you know, you're a visionary. Like I couldn't see the things that you saw. And remember that missionary said to you, you're a visionary. Mm-hmm. He goes, because he had been working on that land for years. You know, he saw it when it was a bush and trees. And the, and the natives there literally dug Acres and acres and acres crazy. of dirt. I mean, they didn't dig into the ground and dig a hole. They dug 10 feet high of dirt into acres of land. That's taking wheelbarrow by wheelbarrow to build 10 feet high of land. When a bulldozer could have done that in two weeks, but he hired free people for years, like you said, so they could feel like this is theirs. And well, I love what he said to you. He says, I've been working on this land for years, but I've never seen the soccer field yet. And as soon as you came there, you saw the field. Yeah. You saw the children playing. You saw an area where they have a safe place to go, a meal to eat, games to play, to be together. And that's important, man, that we it's have huge. people that are visionaries that are not limiting themselves to, well, I'm doing the work for a week and I'm coming back home and I hope it happens, but that see the vision, come alongside yeah. of it and be a part of it. And and I appreciate that. And and I think I thank them, you know, God for for giving that vision and just being uh submissive, you know, to the universe and and being able to give back, you know, because it's the most beautiful, rewarding thing in the world. And I think, you know, when you look at, because I thought about this, I don't know if you did, when I look at like that culture and then I look at America's culture, the only difference I think is, is visionaries, right? Visionaries in a home, visionaries in a, in an organization and not letting people be that, you know, crab in a bucket pulling you down. I think if you have a big vision and you have a really good heart, go for that vision. But I think when your heart's not good and then you have a vision, you got to question your intentions, right? But if your heart is good, and you have a really good relationship with whatever you believe in, God, higher power, I think that is when you go execute your vision and do not look back. You know, you'll have people like, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing this? It's like, no. Because like, as soon as I got there, I, I had my music artist, um, friends of mine and, and people I manage, they were over yesterday and I said, you guys are going to go to Africa one day and around the world and we're going to go to that soccer field and we're going to have like three, four, five thousand 5,000 people come there and they're going to perform. We're going to have a, a concert there and Eric's actually going to go sing uh, and Zawahili, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, so, but you got to be that in anything that you do. And, and so it's, and it's, and here's the thing, you have to be able to do it, um, you know, team is together, um, everyone achieving more. And that's why I don't take any credit for anything that has been created. Even with Summer Rock Life, it's, it's a community, it's a team, it's, it's the universe, it's people. It's not one. When somebody says they're self-made, I'm like, no, you're not. First of all, you're, you're God-made, you know, and you had people there helping you. You're never self-made. You know, you have to learn how to prune those kind of times that we live in a very, in a society that's like, it's me, it's I. No, 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 no. Yes, you may be the doorway, but you had people there to help you. And everybody does their part, and that's tribe living, you yeah. know. So, and it's a beautiful thing. I yeah. loved it, and I will, that's experience that I will take away from this trip for the rest of my life, and that I'll model my life after that family, team aspect of waking up together, eating together, eating together. How good every were those meal. Those donuts. Yeah, we had these donuts, They're like little Zeppelis. amazing. I mean, if you're from New York, you know a good oh. bagel, <laughs> and you, you, if you're from anywhere else, hopefully you know a good donut. But imagine combining a donut and a bagel with sugar cane. Oh. And I'm thinking real sugar cane. Yeah, I'm gonna be the only man that goes to Africa and comes back ten pounds heavier. But <laughs> it was amazing. But like that that team aspect, eating together, meals together, working together. I mean, it felt good to be a part of that. And that's what the family was always meant to be. Yep. And maybe we've lost that here. And you know, I remember we definitely have. I've I remember going to the embassy. You know, I'm going into the embassy in New York City to get our visas. Um, we just wanted to do it before we got in there, and. Uh, 
I got to meet people from Tanzania in this embassy. And, and my heart really to them right in front of me, I says, you know, what are you doing in New York? What do you love about New York? What do you miss about home? Hmm. And he said, you know, in New York, no one, no one looks at you, man. And I said, what do you mean no one looks at you? He says, you know, no, in Africa, they look at you. They look into your eyes. They, they, they want to know you and what you're doing. And, and if they want to know, they call you over and say, come over here. Share a meal with me. Sit down. Have something to eat. I want to know you. You know, just like we saw the people looking at us. What are you doing here? I want to know you. What are you doing here? And he says, I miss the family. I miss the unity. I miss being that freedom there. And now, so here's a man leaving that country because of the poverty maybe that he was in, because of opportunity in New York to make more money. And when he when he left, he said, you know, I miss most is the family. Yeah. And I love being a part of that community, about a part of that family. And it, it was awesome. And um, I just want to touch on this because you really as a visionary, it touched me because, you know, I, I read in the Bible, it says without a vision, my people perish. Mm -hmm. And with the dreams that you have, you dream them first. And that desire was put inside of you. And so hopefully this encourages someone out there that you have a dream inside of you. And not only are people going to come against it, you are going to come against it. You're going to find every reason why you can't do it. You know, I, I can't have a concert in Africa. Like, well, how am I going to get people together? You, you, sometimes you become your worst critic yep. and your worst enemy. And then you're waiting for someone to agree with that lie. And what you have to do is, you know, if this dream was put inside of you, it, it's, it's not even yours. It's divinely put inside of you. You know, you can remember things from when you were a kid that you dreamed of, that you let go of. But deep down inside your soul, you're still holding on to. And so without that dream, without that vision, it dies. And you have to hold on to that vision. How do you water that that seed? Because like you, what you just said is so great. And isn't Eric, Eric is an amazing like communicator and speaker. And I, I know he's going to do amazing things because when he speaks, he he has this presence about him. You feel very safe around him too. Um, That's and good. No, you really do. It's all the machete, uh, the extra like, 30 <laughs> pounds is, I could cover. You, you know what's funny? The first night, uh, totally off topic, we uh, Tori made pasta. Oh, and we're on Mafia Island, and I'm dying laughing like we're eating pasta. Our pasta with marinara on Mafia oh, Island. And, and, and they had the cheese from uh, Parmesan cheese. Yeah, Parmesan. And it's like, we've been waiting months for this cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another thing we take advantage, right? Like, they had to go and specially get Parmesan cheese. Yeah. Because, and that was like, and, and his wife is pregnant. We love you. Shout out to Alex. Beautiful woman. Great woman. But she's pregnant, and she's like, yo, be careful. Don't eat my cheese With my much. Parmesan cheese, right? That was special ordered. <laughs> Pregnant lady, don't mess with the pregnant lady. <laughs> oh my gosh! But, but yeah, we, we, I, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. So, but being able to um, uh, understand, like, what, what were we saying? Well, just how to water that. Seed. Oh yeah, water your seed. Yeah. Yeah. Of your dreams is, is, and I love what you said. Is like, you know, don't give that to the wrong person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You go around the people that are supporting your dreams and pouring into you and encouraging you because life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? And it says that in the Word of God. I, I'm, I'm a Christian, I've said that before, but these truths are truths everywhere. Mm -hmm. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What you speak, not only in your mind, in your thought life, over yourself, and what you let be spoken over you comes into fruition. I mean, what did they say? Like 90% um, of what happens in this world is how you react to it. The other 10% is what happens, right? What you do with what happens, your perspective. And begin to surround yourself with people that are pouring into your dreams and pouring into your visions and, and changing your mindset that I'm going to water that dream, that that's not going. And I would say, keep your hope, you know, keep hope that this dream was put into me for a reason that, that I'm not going to conform to the patterns of this world. Yep. 
Do you know what I mean? I'm going to be transformed by the renewing, it says, of my mind. Because I can be like every other person here. In my culture in the United States, there's 350 million people. But there's another 7 billion people out there that live completely different than you, completely different lives, languages, cultures, but they conform to their world that they were around. Don't let the world infect you. You infect the world with That's your positivity. Right. Exactly. You you be a world changer. Because the truth is, it's it's really simple. It's, it's simple for me. Me and you have both done it, right? Mm-hmm. We jump into a pattern that we see that the world has. This is what I do. I go to college. I do this. I do whatever. This is the pattern that was set up for me. And I become conformed to it. Instead of first transforming my mind, renewing my mind. And, and this, it, it, this is a, 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 an age-old truth. It says, it right, it's, what I'm speaking is written thousands of years ago. It's from the Word of God. It says, if you will renew your mind, you will know the perfect will of God for your life. And that takes renewing your mind. That's the first step in Him. Because if you can't see the vision... It dies. Yep. It perishes. And so I, I would encourage someone out there. I hope someone's listening to this and they're thinking about that, that dream that they had or that vision that they had that just seemed not like, oh, I heard that somewhere and maybe that will work, right? Or oh, that, that seems like a good it's idea. Maybe I'll do that. Or, you know, I saw that on an infomercial. Well, maybe I'll do that. Or, you know, someone told me to go to college to do that. But a dream that was put on you, you can remember as a child. It's just something that was ingrained in you. And it may not be everyone else's dream, but it's something special and dear to you. And I pray that people will follow those dreams and, yeah. and be an influencer in this world. Like you said, not be infected by the world, right? Yeah, be the person that infects the world with positivity yeah. and with vision and dreams. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And I see you doing that and you're inspiring me. And I'm, I'm hoping that this podcast, even today, will inspire others to do the same thing. You know, even it's taking a 10-day trip, 15-day trip in Africa, to get that perspective, right? To come back here, to see your whole life change, to see a perspective change, to see like a paradigm shift. Yeah, yeah, when you sometimes don't see it in your zip code. Yeah, you don't so, see it. Sometimes you gotta travel to the other side of the world to see what was always right in front of your face. Yeah, you know? and, and overcoming your fears, yeah. you know, and, and being able to fertilize and water that seed and knowing that life things, will there will be fears. Like, we'll, we'll finish with two things because these are crazy stories uh, and funny stories. The whale sharks was crazy because we were like, oh, we're going to go swim with whale sharks. So like, well, how big are they? 30, 40 feet. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, well, first it's a whale. Okay. Yeah. But it's a shark. I'm like, what does it do? Instead of don't bite them, like, I don't care. That's when it's you start dumb. asking the question, what percentage shark is it? Because, yeah. you know, well, how many teeth does it have? <laughs> and we're out on a boat. So we go on this, you know, little boat and we're passing, we pass this like pirate ship, you know, on the way there and amazing. everything. Yeah. It was amazing. And like, don't take photos of the fishermen. They're coming after you. I'm like, great. Yeah. You know, don't pick, don't pictures of the pirates. They will pirate our ship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we go there and we're like looking for like, I'm like, how do you guys look for the whale sharks? Like, well, you see it. I'm like, how? How do you see the whale shark in the water? So the water is pretty clear in the area, but we're like miles upon miles away. And then you see, like you get to this area and you're miles away. And what's so crazy, it's only like 30 feet, 40 feet. And then you see this, eventually after an hour of looking, they're like, no, they're here. Um, You see this kind of shadow. And we're like, oh, there it is. I'm like, what? That we're and they're like, all right, get ready. So we're all like running, we're putting our scuba <laughs> gear and stuff. And we're like, all right, jump in. You jump in on top of this whale. Yeah. Not like you can't get on it and stuff, but like you're you gotta stay 10, 15 feet away. And you just like you get in the water and then you look and you just see this thing floating. And not even trying to move, but moving quicker, you know, than you trying to paddle. And you just see it floating and there's like little fish below it. And uh, I remember just saying, Whoa, that thing is alive and uh, I hope I don't get eaten like Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> now, for me, whale sharks. I this is this is a dream, right? I've I've looked at whale sharks since I was four years old. Really? I've known about them. I used to study sharks when I was a kid. I loved them, and and, and one day I would swim with one, right? Because they're only in that part of really. Yeah, they're not in many places. But the cool thing about Mafia Island, everyone has its unique thing, right? Mafia Island is one of the areas, only area in the world where the whale sharks stay all year round. And I knew that going out there. And here's a dream that I had. This is such a cool story. I said, man, I hope that we get some time to swim with the whale sharks, right? Mm-hmm. And when we got there, we're thinking, this is not going to happen. And when we get there, the missionary says, you know, I got news for you. Like, the whale sharks are gone. They, they dove to the deep waters where you can't see them. And it's funny. A guy on our trip, shout out to Ryan West. Love this guy. Loves sharks. Loves whale sharks. He's so good. Was thinking, I got to swim with these whale sharks when we get out there. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, we're going to be working all the time. There's no time to swim with whale sharks. So when the missionary says to us, you know, they're gone, I go, oh, there goes that. You know, and I, I see, I didn't believe. But under his breath, Ryan said, now nah, we'll see him. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll see him. We'll I'm see going, him. wow, this guy's got faith, right? And then Tori gets a message. The whale sharks are back. Yeah, get some message from the natives. We're so surprised. The whale sharks are back. And Ryan goes, yeah, I told you. <laughs> and I'm like, this is great because this is like God's gift. Like, you want the whale sharks? I'm, I'm coming. Yeah, we're we taking get out selfies underneath the water and yeah, stuff. We get out in the water and then, we, like you said, we don't see him for 45 minutes. I stick my hand in the water and I'm just like, God, send the whale sharks. 30 seconds later, they come out, <laughs> they come out of nowhere. The natives are screaming, hey, they're here. they're here. And then you're jumping in the water like a, like for me, like a kid at Christmas, because I've, I've read about these kids, and I mean, these kid whale sharks. These The ones we saw at first were like 25, but then they were the size of buses. Then so, they get the bus ones. Yeah, yeah, we got the big ones. So like, I've been reading about this as a kid and seeing that, okay, this is a dream that I had. You know, I said, one day I'm going to swim with the whale sharks. And, and I kind of gave up on the dream. And it was awesome for Ryan to say, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And that's that other thing. Like, don't let that dream die. Even when you hear something like, now oh, the whale sharks are gone. They're not going to come. You know what I mean? And it was just, I think God really enacts a lot through faith. Yep. He almost honors that faith. He's like, yeah, the whale sharks are gone. But then all of a sudden, his one of his sons says, now God, I trust you. We'll see him. And it comes. There's so much power in it and just speaking it. Yes, this power of the spoken word. Yeah, and power anything in that you are in your life, a relationship, your business, negative things, you're sick, um, the vibrations, and there's been studies of the vibrations of you know the voice, the energy that comes out. It's not even the sound; it's the energy, it's the feeling that can cure things. And there's studies you can Google it. It's pretty amazing. Certainly, man. I I've seen it firsthand, and that was just a, a small little story, you know, kind of like, but but. Yeah. It just, it gives me that principle that I've always remembered. Yeah. And that was sort of the latter part of the trip. Yeah. Faith and just going in and just diving in with these guys. And then the last thing, which was really cool. This was the last day, uh, was our boat trip and it was last minute. We ended up, um, you know, going on our, uh, saying we're going to go deliver these boat, uh, these computers to four islands that are off Mafia Island. And so we're on an island and we had to go off the island. And we go there and the first trip is like two hours. But what was kind of scary, and I'm sure, you, I don't know if you, this was going in your mind. I'm like, well, this boat was a boat that was not even being used for a year and a half because this is the boat that unfortunately they had the accident with yeah. and some people lost their lives. And so Pastor Hassani, who's the gentleman that floated 18 hours and, and made it, he ended up going uh, on the trip with us to deliver these boats. So this is the boat being used. So like, this is all in my mind. I'm like, this boat went through stuff. Uh, Pastor Hassani's here. And then that day was a cloudy day and there was storms. And I was like, okay, this is this is not good. I'm like, a, it was nice knowing everybody. Yeah, not your average storm either. A gray cloud sweeping yeah. through the ocean. Yeah, like so they're just like sweeping through. And he's a, like, oh, that's going to miss us. Yeah, yeah, wall of rain. Yeah. So long story short, 
we go there to the first island um, and we get to the first island and there's the guys that are with us, the boating, two boating guys, and then the, the two of us, we had, uh, who was Ryan, you, me, Ryan, and then me, and then Tori. Hassani. And I had to sit by, behind, and I was really happy because they were sea urchins. Mm-hmm. And sea urchins, you uh, step on, they have like a little poison in their needles, and yeah. they had to walk probably about a half a mile or a mile. At least. Uh, how was that, going through water with sea urchins? I got to be honest, <laughs> I, I was never afraid on the whole trip, you know, from boat rides through storms, through, you know, riding on motorbikes to going into areas that may be hostile or whatever they would say. I never really had a fear until I'm walking a half mile stepping on sea urchins. <laughs> And the missionary pulls one out of the water and he goes, you don't want to step on one of these. And it's this like spiky ball. And I'm going, what the heck is that? And the guy next to me who loves the marine life, Ryan West, shout out again, says, dude, that's a sea urchin, dude. You know, they're poisonous. And I'm going, oh, dude, I don't want to step on a poisonous sea urchin. Like, that's not going to be any fun. So I'm creeping through the water and I've got sandals on and I can feel myself stepping on them, hoping that they're not going to stamp through my shoes. But after a while, I said, you know what? I can't see these things. I'm just walking. Went through, you know, it went through. <laughs> I was so happy I, yeah. was, I stayed in a boat. I just ate almonds with yeah. the other guy and was just chilling and reading. And I'm so glad that you came on the other trips because that's when we really got to see like going through a storm yeah, and well, getting through on the so other side. So after that, yeah. you know, and you know, we'll be wrapping up in 10, 10 minutes with the podcast. We, we go, we leave that island and we're like, I'm like, the seas are getting rough. We're in this like 20 foot metal boat with a 25 horsepower uh, engine. And um, I'm like, you know, Tori, I, I think we should go back. He's like, no, you know, we'll be fine. We got to deliver these. And, you know, the, the, the um, storms are going that way. I'm like, oh, boy. I'm like, at least the water's warm. I got a life vest, you know. And then it, we didn't, he'd never been to this island. This island hasn't been seen from somebody 20, since 2018 because it's an island off an island. Yeah, and not even, not by like an American. Like they haven't had a visitor, a visitor. from the remote island to yeah. this other remote Nobody island. Nobody goes there. No one goes there. they don't know? get along or something. Yeah. It's like an Italian family. They <laughs> ate their cannoli, whatever, right? But they, um, so we go there, but we didn't realize it was two and a half hours, three hours mm-hmm. on a boat going like 10 miles or 10 knots, whatever, like Giving slow. Giving you the sore booty because you're oh smashing waves sitting boat, on a piece of wood. And yeah. you're just like, what am I doing right now? Yeah. And then we had to watch coral because it's, it's very shallow there. Yeah. And then we get to the, getting close to the island, we just see the storm going in front of us and i'm like can we go we need to turn around because the storm's right there he's like no we're going through i don't know if you saw forrest gump yeah and he's like we're going through the storm and yeah. i'm just like i'm just not happy and i'll be honest with you i was just like <laughs> why are we going through storm with waves this boat you know and we're i'm done you know and we get through that storm i'm drenched you know and just like you know like we're, i think you have a little recording of it right before but we get through that storm it gets sunny, and then you just see this beautiful island in the middle of the of the water oh, with a rock coming out of the water, and then the island and the people there. I mean, that was such a monumental trip. Uh, there was, it was owned by the British. There was 1,600, 1,700 boats there chilling on the island in low tide, and seeing like the, you know they don't have electric there. They don't have water. They have to use the rainwater to to get electric. If not a water, they have to go back to the island. People are there amazing there. I end up doing the worm and and um, yeah, you know dancing awesome. for the kids there, but um and then the lamb was just born, Lily, as we got there, as we were walking, which there, was yeah. crazy. But what'd you get from that trip, man? Well, you know, for me, um, I wasn't scared of that storm, but I was saying, wow, this guy is telling us to go through the middle of the storm. <laughs> you know, and I have a video of that right on the GoPro, and I literally just because the water is beautiful there. You're in the Indian Ocean; it's crystal clear. 
and you're it's like bath water splashing into it, right? And you're yeah. hitting every wave. It's so blue. And you can feel your back and your butt getting sore because you're smashing wave after wave for three Sorbet. hours in a <laughs> in a metal boat. And and I'm so I see the storm and I'm like, all right, it is what it is. I just had this feeling like we were gonna be all right, you know? And um, we're going through the storm and it's cold, right? You go from bath water, beautiful Indian Ocean, to freezing cold rain hitting you, the waves crashing, and you know. So I kind of I have this funny video on the GoPro. I was like, hey, this is my last video. Um, just know we're into the storm. I show them the storm and head, you know, and uh, just really? if they find this, that. if they find this camera, you know, this is what went down. And I, I put it away and I look at Ryan and literally all we could do is just smile and be like, yeah, it is what it is. We're going into the storm. But I look up at the, at the front and I see you being like, Tori, when I'm in the waters like this, I'm turning the other way. Yep. And uh, he's like, and then I, next thing I see him say something in Swahili to, to, to the pastor and he points right at the storm and I'm going, is he pointing at the storm to say, Let, don't go near there. But then I realized he's saying, go into the, the storm. storm. What? So I'm like, okay, here we go. And we're so far away from the mainland. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like what do gonna, I do? Yeah, we're going to go boat through a storm. And <laughs> the cool thing was, like you said, when we got through the other side, here's this beautiful island, yeah. like nothing I've ever seen before. Giant rocks, boulders with trees and houses on them. You know, at one point we're a part of the land and the water eroded them. So it's like, uh, you know, this something you've never seen. Imagine like, you know, a, a 30 foot, boulder coming out of the ground surrounded by water with a house and tree on it and these cut out stairs and now this island is all made of coral and i'm going i'm like this is like a paradise right but when i get there i was reminded because steven mentioned this earlier we would all take trips you know two guys would go to the island be representative say hey we're here to bless you with this thank you and it was great because when when you'd go to the island you were greeted by hundreds and hundreds of kids right oh my gosh that lasted with me forever Kids running up to Crazy. you, smiling, had never seen an Mzungu before, you know, that <laughs> island because no one goes to visit them, holding your hand, smiling, laughing, Steve's dancing for them, you know, like that language that translated over. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm so glad that we're here because this is what we drove, you know, in the boat or boated for three hours for, not just to bring, you know, supplies, laptops, hopefully get their school set up, you know, with computers in the future, Um just to to bring that love and that joy to the people. And I remember when, when you shook that guy's hand after dancing for the kids, he said, in English, you made them happy. You know, you made them happy in that two seconds that you said, let me do a dance for these guys. Let me you know, try to, to, to reach them with that human touch. It, it was awesome. And um, seeing that this was happening, I, I got a download and it was awesome. I, I'm, I'm laying in the boat because it's my turn to watch the boat, you know, because we have computer supplies on it and we're like, well, hopefully you guys will see some pictures in the documentary. There are pirate ships out in the water. Yeah, there are. Pirates of the Caribbean ships <laughs> that you haven't seen since you watched you know, Johnny Depp on that ship. They're out there in the water. And so I'm laying in a metal boat by myself. The guy just speaks Swahili, so we're not communicating too well. But I literally get, you know, grab Steve's book, go into page 36, just hear it, get a download from God. And I'm like, all right, if this is you, God, I'll do it. I open his book, Seven Rock Life, and literally the quote that he spoke to me the other day, like the day before, I'm reading it. And Steve, you, you know about the table and the tree, mm-hmm. right? It says, you know, God will give you the tree. You got to make the table. Yep. I'm going, God, is this why you want me to, to be reading this? This is what he just told me. And now you wrote your book, but no one memorizes their book. Maybe no. some people. But so if I said, well, what, what page is that quote on? What you wouldn't know? know. And so as I go and I continue to read, he's talking about on a boat, being on a boat and trusting the captain. And I want you to share that, man, because when you came back, that kind of encapsulated this this boat trip mm-hmm. where it was like there was fear going into a storm. And what was the fear? Well, those guys perished on this same boat. Yep. That's going to happen to me. We're going into a storm. 
And I was having that feeling like, no, we're going to be okay. And your book, God was reminding, reminding you, you of what I wrote, what you wrote. And in, you know what the great thing about your book is? Because you got, you said you shut everything down, right? Yeah, I was MIA for three months. Three months you went, me and God, let's write this book. I want to speak to the people. I want what you want for them. And he's speaking through you as you're writing that down. And he knew he was going to use that to remind you because not only is it a book for everyone else, it's, it's, it's your heart, it's your soul, it's poured out onto these pages. Yeah. That's what I love about the book is that it's your account. It's not something just for everyone else. It's, it's you and that's relatable to everyone. And so I want you to share what it said about being on the boat because that's exactly what you needed to hear. That's exactly what we needed to hear. And at a time being on a boat, when I hear go to page 36 and it's the only page in your book that's talking about being on a boat, I'd love for you to share that and hopefully... If you're listening to this, this is going to translate to your life of yeah. trusting and not being and afraid. And I'll, I'll pull it up in a minute. Yeah. Um, what other, being on that island uh, and seeing just how they live, um, what else did you get from that and, and seeing how the, the huts are built and all that? Well, the first thing is just, it's enjoyable to me because it's something you've never seen before. Like I've never seen a baby lamb or a baby goat being born. I didn't grow up on a farm. You know, they're not running around Long Island here. And so we walk up stairs made completely of coral, an island that's elevated off the Indian Ocean, and it looks like something out of like a, a book, a fantasy, right? And homes being built out of, you know, brick and, and stone and mud and sticks. And then we see ruins from the 1500s on these islands. You know, Crazy. it's just stuff... And we're walking up there and I walk up and I go, what's that? Was that a kitten? You know, and it's a baby goat <laughs> baby just walking goat. up. That's the first thing I remember and going, look at this. We're, we're in Africa, dude. There's, there's, you know, they live a different life. The animals all around. And I, I remember just following the missionary and he's just on a mission to get to the people. And I'm kind of awed by the land. I'm looking around, seeing everything, you know, and we get there. And you sign a book. And that's the other thing that stood out to me. Same thing to you. Like, they sign a book to come there. Like, thank you for visiting our island. And we look in the book, and no one's even visited this island. Even the people of Mafia Island are saying, don't go out there. No one goes out there. And we went. And how grateful the people were. And this is what really encouraged me about your life, is that you made a connection point with them. You didn't tell them what you were there for. Or you didn't tell them how good you were doing or what you're bringing for them. You said, tell me about yourself. I want to know about you, yeah. Tell me about your island. What is it like here? What is going What's on? What's the history of it? What's the history? Why do you stay here? I know you could leave this island because those guys who were teaching the kids at the school, they could leave. Yeah. You know, they spoke English. Some, some of them of came guys. from other areas yeah, to go. Yeah. Is, why are you here? And it says, well, you know, it's just, this is the simpler life here, but we love it and we're here for the people. Yeah. And that's when I was really excited. And then from you going outside to dancing, I mean, what we had 20 kids around and then there's 100. You start dancing to 100 kids cheering. You, you know, it's know? funny. It I awesome. think about my days how sometimes uh, God prepares you when you're younger or different things. The way I learned dancing, true story, a lot of people actually, I don't think anybody knows this, but one was my dad always made me dance as a kid and do um, uh, like just singing things and I never understood. He's like, you know, Stephen, you got to go do this. It's good for you. You'll use it later <laughs> on in life. And then I learned because I would work out in my basement and have mirrors and in between sets, I would start dancing to Usher. Oh, yeah. Usher is what he inspired me because with his yeah. dancing and his moves and Usher and my father, you know, doing Ricky Martin as a kid and yeah. Elvis Presley. That's how, you know, being part of these talent shows, I had to learn how to dance. I was forced and then now doing it around the world. But um, so this kind of sums up just our trip there, you know, and being scared and also, you know, and hear this, it's this paragraph, it's on page 36 in the, the Seven Rocks of Life, and he just opened a book up when we were on a boat, and it said, 
Trusting is sometimes a hard thing to do, but faith is like being on a boat. You trust a boat will float and that the captain is good at his job. You realize you don't have control, so you relax and let the captain do the work. Let God be your captain. You did your job to get on the boat, but it's not your job to steer it. God will give you a tree in life, but it's your job to make a table from that tree. You need to have faith that one day someone will use or buy that table from you, but you will never know unless you first make that table from the tree he gave you. Yeah. It's awesome, bro. Encapsulated that boat ride of saying, look, God called you to this boat. Yep. You got on it. Let the captain steer, you know, and and then taking away that fear of saying storm or no storm, I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't um, take away from these awesome men that gave their lives on that boat. You know what I mean? But it it, it spoke to us that we knew that we were supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And when you know you're supposed to be somewhere, that, that fear is replaced by love. Because the mission was love and perfect love casts out all fear. And if you see a storm in your life, but you know God has already shown you the other side of the storm, you're not afraid of the storm. You're going, like the missionary said, go through it. Yep. And that missionary, he lost his, his dear friends you know, on that boat. And he's on the boat with the other guy, the one survivor. And they're both saying, go through that storm. Because I'm here and I know I'm supposed to be here. And I just want to bring it back there. When, when you transform your mind and you stop conforming to the patterns of this world, you'll know the will of God for your life. And when you know that fear disappears because God will not tell you to make that table at that tree if you're not going to sell that tree. He will not tell you to get on that boat if you're not going to get to the other side. And times in this life when, when we're outside of that will, when we're doing what we think is best, there's grace, there's mercy, there's times where God is protecting you, you don't even know. But when you get into his will, you'll always feel safe in his love and, and his peace that Look, if I've called you to go to Africa, I'm not sending you there to kill you. I'm <laughs> sending you there to do the, bring my mission of love. And so I want to touch on this quick and just um, any prayers or whatever you guys send, good vibes, whatever it is. You know, I'm going to Thailand. I knew I was called to Africa. And in Thailand, you know, it's something that came up. And I've always wanted to go to Thailand, right? And, and I've always thought I'll be there, you know? And so I'm having that same vision. I know you called me to go to Africa. Call me to go. So you're going to provide. Money came in in three days. I was able to not only pay for my trip, but pay and bless everyone there, the missionary to the kids, to investing in the youth center. And the same thing with Thailand. Like if you've called me to go there, you'll provide. And it's almost like I call throwing out your fleece. You know, there's a lot of times where we want to walk by faith and not by sight. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not see what you're jumping onto, but you're trusting God in that moment. I'm going forward. And I love your entrepreneur mindset that you say, well, I'm going to go forward. I'm trusting that God's got this. And that's kind of what we need to do. We need to step out in faith and not in fear. Fear is where, what stone do I put my foot on because which one is going to catch me? And faith is saying, even when I don't see it, God already told me to take a step. Yeah. So I'm going. And so with Thailand, um, uh, I'm going to put some stuff up. Steve will probably put some yeah, stuff up. Yeah, about we're going to attach trip. everything and helping him and, support uh, his mission. That's where I'm and going. Future ones as well. Same thing. I'm, I'm headed out to the nations to bring the love of God to people. But in my own backyard, in my own community, through podcasts and, and through serving where I live, I'm hoping to bring the love of God to everyone. I love it. And we, we were there were two things I wanted to share was is these storms of life that maybe you're going through, whether it's you know relationship, divorce, or uh, sickness, or um, financial issues, or just anxiety, or depression, or whatever it is, right? 
that that storm you're going through, understand that you need to know who wrote your story in life because, you know, when you know who wrote your story, there's no battles you'll lose. There are only battles you will learn from and grow into some something better and someone better. And when you know that, and that's why out of all the things I, I know from the trip, there's so many great things, was going through the storms of life. Because mm-hmm. on the other side, there's an island waiting for you with a great experience, you know, but a lot of people turn around and they don't go through that storm and uh, you'll be okay, you know, with God's grace. And that's why we were, you were at my house the other day and we said, uh, you know, without, and whatever you believe in, but for us, without God, there is an end. And with God, there is no end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's so powerful and so, you know, real, which is so cool. But yeah. such a good stuff, man. Thank you so much Dude, for you, doing bro. this. And he did an amazing job. Give Thank him, you. Give him a hand if you're in yes. the car. Thank you, You're guys. at the gym. Just start clapping. He hears it. <laughs> all right. And um, we'll finish with this and we'll, we'll be done. So we we finish every single podcast with this question, right? And I'm going to ask you this question. And it's okay. a quick question to, to finish it off. Ready? Yeah. So this is it. a Seven Rock Life Nation podcast question. Here you go, okay. Mr. Eric. So if you had a billboard for the whole world to see, what would your message be to the world? One sentence, one word, billboard for the whole world to see. What would your message be to the world? I would say, um, let the love of God be greater than your fear. Why? And I would say because on, in the storms of life, just like what we were in physically, there's people on the other side waiting for you, and they need you. Mm. And so let that love be greater than your fear because love is going to fulfill you love is going to empower you and there are people in this world everywhere that need that hope that need that love and if you're one of those people those carriers of this love you're going to go through storms but just know on the other side there are people that are waiting for you that need this love and so i said let the love of god overcome all your fear because fear is just an impediment it's just something yeah. that stops you but love is what empowers you to go forward so love you know, it. i love god love jesus and and i pray that that you would come to know this love, that it would empower you to be everything that you were called to be. Everything that you are called to be in this life, I want love to fulfill you, the love of God to fulfill you so that you would go forward through the storms. And uh, I know Steve personally, he knows me now. We've shared some really intimate times and after together, a little bromance, <laughs> from dancing to parades to, to confiding in each other. And we've been through the storms of life. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've shared in that. And to come out on the other side of those storms and see the goodness of God and the love of God, to, to walk through the darkest of times. And, and we may not have shared all that here on this podcast, but I can tell you that I've walked through very dark times where I didn't want to be here on this earth. I didn't have my purpose. I didn't have my calling. And to see coming out on the other side of that and letting love guide me instead of fear. Mm-hmm. And once I let go of fear, and I let love lead, that's when I was truly fulfilled. So I would say if I put a billboard love out there, it. let your love of God overcome your fear and let the love of God in you overcome your fear. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks, dude. I got goosebumps. And uh, this is uh, one of the, if not one of the best podcasts uh, up to this point. You know, this is not even our season two. This is in between and last minute to do this. But you really touched a lot of lives. And share this, guys. Comment on this. Uh, put this on your social media tell people about it this is about inspiring the world and living to inspire that's what our brand's about and that's what you know uh, we want people's life to be about and we're just excited and blessed to have you guys in the audience and just make sure that you're out there and be the light for people Uh, where there's dark be the light 
where there's people that are untouched, be the light for them, you know, and we'll, we'll attach our, you know, the different GoFundMes. Uh, you can check out summerrocklife.com. Every item bought uh, helps another, um, another people around the world. We were able to give out hundreds of clothes and different things and money because of it. And uh, check out uh, also Eric's mission to Thailand, which is going to be so awesome. All right. And, uh, and all that. So blessings, guys. Have a great, great week and uh, be the architect of your life and be out there to inspire the world to become a better place. Love you guys. God bless. Yeah.